Father, thank you so much for your presence that is here. Thank you for the ability uh, to even think upon the grace of God, to even fathom the depths of your love. God, and just how Paul said, not to be conformed to this world, but by the renewing of our mind, God, help us to even understand what that means, to renew the mind, to, to make all things new, God, not to dwell on our past, not to think about what we did even yesterday, because forgiveness is afforded to each and every one of us. God, we're here in this course to learn to lead like Jesus. Last month, oh God, we, we dealt with our hearts, but now, Father, we go for another entire month to learn about the head, to help us to think upon those things that are holy and just, oh God, so that we can be in right relationship with you, because that is the chief end of everything that we do, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Forgive us if we have not enjoyed you enough. Forgive us if we have not thought upon you every single moment of the day. Help us, O oh God, in our minds to, for it to be fashioned so that we can think upon you. So we thank you for today. We give you honor and praise. And thank you for, for these family members that I have in front of me that are just willing to learn and grow. And this, this is just the beginning of their season. This is just the beginning of what is to come. We dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, I'm going to put you all on mute for right now. And um, I'm going to get right into it. So uh, we're talking about the head of the leader. Okay, this is part one. Okay, when we're talking about the head of the, le the leader, today we're talking about specifically leadership vision. Here is the memory verse for this week, and that's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You can turn to that if you want, but Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is a well-known verse. This is Paul, and it reads as follows. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, the journey of becoming a leader, okay? It first, we talked about this, it first begins in the heart. It has to start with the heart, right? It starts with, what was that word that we used last week? Self what? Self. You guys remember you can put it in the chat what we talked about self what you guys forgot already self-surrender <laughs> self-surrender right it's the self-surrender of your motivations right and with the intent to serve god and others so um it's our intentions so our intentions that travel to the head and our intentions that travels to our head from our heart can either be good or they can be bad, okay? Not everyone has good intentions, 
right? Sometimes people have bad intentions, either to hurt you or to discourage you or to judge you or whatever the case is, right? But this is the place, right? The head is the place where we actually store our perspective on life, our perspective on life and leadership. So just know those things. You then actually become aware that purpose is embedded within those intentions. So now you have the intentions, but what happens is now purpose, purpose is now embedded within those intentions, right? That are either, they're either put there by God or those intentions are put there by our selfish ambitions. But those intentions that are there put by God, they carry purpose, okay? So that's why when somebody comes and says to me, oh, I have no purpose, I feel like I have no purpose, that's always one of the top five questions. Where, where am I going? Where's the vision? Where's my purpose? Here's the reality, because you're, you have wrong intentions. But if you begin to align yourself with the intentions of God, and you allow God's intentions to breathe inside of you, guess what? There are no intentions that are carried, that, that, God, that God gives you, all the intentions that he gives you has purpose. Every single one of them. Whether it's to make you a new creation, whether it's to help you thrive in your job, whether it's to help you uh, become a, a, a better believer, whether it's to help you become a better wife or a better husband. God's intentions always carry purpose since the beginning of time, since redemptive history. Here's a scripture. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. We are created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Okay, a, a big theological word there is pre, predest, predestined, right? He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Ephesians 2.10. So the question now becomes, whom are you following? Whom are you following? Okay, what kind of leader are you following? Now, I assume that, uh, you know, and uh, Chrissy, you, you, brought, you brought that point that you guys are here. You say, oh, Pastor Eddie, man, you know, he gives off this vibe but you guys don't really know him because when I spoke to him, I just saw a whole different person, right? So it's like, okay, you guys are following here because number one, I probably haven't offended you yet. <laughs> Notice I say, I haven't offended you yet or I haven't corrected you yet, but I think I loved most of you enough to say if there was something wrong, I would wanna call it out. As a matter of fact, last night, I, I, the, the people are not here, but I got a phone call, someone that's becoming a V1, they're on and off in their relationships and, and they're engaged and things like that. Uh, um, but they're living with each other and they're not married. So they wanted my perspective on that. You know, Pastor Eddie, I want to counsel, I want this and that. I'm, and I said to them, okay, you know me, right? You know my heart, you know what I'm gonna tell you. I said, stop living in sin. <laughs> stop living, you guys are not, you're trying to get the gift before it even happens. 
enjoy the process of being engaged. Enjoy the process of getting to know her, right? It's like, you know, um, when I was younger uh, during Christmas time, I used to want to sneak and open the gift before Christmas so that I knew what it was. So I had to explain that to them. But anyway, the whole purpose of that was, whom are you following? What kind of leader? And do you know your leader well enough? Because there are two types of roles in leadership. And these come from the perspective of Jesus. So the first role in leadership is a visionary role. And the visionary role deals with leadership. Okay, so, and what this role does is, this says this, the, the visionary role, doing the right thing with a focus on results, right? Or put simply, it's setting the course and the destination. So the visionary leader sets the course and the destination. Okay, so a couple other things to know about a visionary uh, leader, okay, visionary leader. Um, they set the vision with a eternal perspective. A visionary leader will set the vision with an eternal perspective. Why? Because they're thinking way past the now. They're not thinking about the present necessarily, but they're thinking about the eternal perspective. What's going to happen to your soul? What's going to happen to you? Like the eternal weighty, the Bible says the weightier matters. Okay. So that's what the first visionary does. They set the vision for eternal with an eternal perspective. Secondly, what they do, uh, they're, they're painting a compelling picture of the future. A visionary leader will paint a compelling picture of the future. And we're going to talk a little bit about that more. But And then lastly, what they do is uh, they're defining and they're modeling the operating values and structures and behavioral norms. Let me repeat that. They're defining, a visionary leader defines and they model the operating values, those things that the organization holds, right? Freedom, unity, generosity, excellence. They mold those things. They define those things in the and also in the structures. So whatever, whatever ministries they have, everything flows from the vision, right? And even their behavior, how they behave flows from the vision. So that's what it means to be a visionary leader. Now, you probably know people like this. Now, visionary leaders are great. Okay, they have the vision. You need different aspects of, of roles, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But a visionary leader casts the vision, right? So they cast the vision out there, but they need someone to implement it. Okay, so that's the second role of leadership. The second role is what's called an implementation role. And the implementation role is the servant, 
Okay. So where we had the visionary leader, uh, the visionary role, which is leadership. Now we have the implementation role, which is the servant. And this is what the servant is doing things right with a focus on people. So the servant is concerned with doing things right with a focus on people. Let me tell you a little bit about the implementation, what they do. The people that have this role, they serve the ongoing needs of those involved in doing the work. So they're directly involved with the people, right? They're in the mix. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty. They're not afraid to, to scrub the toilets and in the bathrooms. You know, it's funny, even um, uh, last week at my job, uh, I just, I've been doing this for a, a while now, but I, I clean the bathrooms at my workplace at two in the morning. I just clean it because first of all, I don't like the smell in there. So I say, you know what, I'm just gonna clean it. I don't have to, I don't get paid to clean the bathroom, but I, you know what, it makes for a better experience in the bathroom. And then my supervisor came and saw that. He was like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I said, I was wondering who cleaned these bathrooms. I didn't, he didn't even know. And it was months and months and months. And then he finally caught me at like three in the, three in the morning, basically cleaning the bathrooms. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm just here just to serve. I'm just here. I don't have to do this, but I do it. And that's what makes a great servant leader. They're willing to do things when, when it's not even their responsibility to do it. Okay. Another thing about the implementation is they're creating what's called the follower environment. They're creating the follower environment that inspires commitment to the vision. We're all followers here, all of us, each and every one of us, right? But what this role in leadership does is it provides an environment that welcomes people and inspires them to say, you know what? I'm committed to that vision. I'm committed to that leader. Okay. The other thing that they do is they evaluate the growth and the development of people. Okay. So they evaluate the growth and the development of people from a means goal to an end goal, okay, from a means goal to an end goal of equal importance to the product or the service mission of that organization. So why they're there is they're developing the people, right? They're developing the goals within the people so that they could have meaning, but also that they can attain and reach their goals at the end. That's in alignment with the vision. Okay. Very important. This is very, very important. You guys got to get this into you because this is what makes an effective leader. This is why you're here. And then lastly, this is the implementation. They're concerned about developing a level of intimacy, developing a level of intimacy with the needs and the aspirations of the people, right? Uh, this is, it's basically to know them instead of just knowing about them. And I, I see this a lot with leaders where they're, they're, they want to know their people, but they're afraid to be intimate with them. Now, we have no problem here at V1 because we ain't got nothing to hide. <laughs> We're going to force you into intimacy, whether you like it or not. And it will reveal 
a lot about who you are. But what this leader does is that they want to develop this intimate relationship because it aspires people, right, to know everything about them. Like I literally take time throughout the whole week to hear stories. I love hearing stories about other people. I just got off the phone with uh, someone that wants to join V1 College and say, oh, I got this story. And she told me her story she's from Colorado and she's telling me this and she's, and I'm like, and she's like, oh, but I'm, a, I'm shy and this and that. And then I mentioned, I mentioned uh, a Gloria. And I was like, you know what, Gloria two years ago is not the same Gloria that she is now. And she will tell you, she transformed, changed, went from Leadership Academy to V1 College and and now she's leading connect groups. Now she, she's she's coming down hours and hours traveling to a campus in Long Island so that she can lead people. Two years ago, I couldn't even get her to talk. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that, but we had to develop, me and Gloria, that intimacy, that relationship. I had to get to know her. I had to get to know her strengths and her weakness and say, okay, now we're going to develop. And now look. Now you have a person from Colorado that knows Gloria that's, and that what she told me today is I want what Gloria has. I want what Gloria has. That is amazing. That is amazing. So that's what it means to be intimate. That's what it means to have this implementation. So this is the thing. You don't have to choose either one in order to be a great leader. You don't have to say, well, well I want to be vi a visionary and that's it. Or I want to have a, 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 a implementation role and that's it. No, because Jesus commanded both philosophies of leadership roles. Okay. Jesus did, check this out. Jesus did what the father commanded him to do. And he also focused on the development of people around him. So not only was Jesus a visionary, Jesus was a servant. So this is what it means to lead like Jesus in terms of having this dual role leadership of vision and implementation. Okay. So here's the question. Uh, what is your leadership point of view? Now that we've kind of put those roles together, this, this is going to be uh, also in your homework. What's your leadership point of view? Okay. How do you view the role of leadership or view the role of leaders? And what do you think are the leader's responsibility? Okay. So that's going to be part of your homework, but I want you to kind of chew on that now, like really get that down now that we've kind of put out the strategy and we put out these roles out there. So, um, I want to give you these three things. Okay uh leading at a higher level are going to require these three things so you have to know this if you want to go from glory to glory if you want to get better as a leader if you want to grow in your leadership you don't want to be stagnant these are three things right here uh to lead at a higher level it's going to require these three things okay um the first one is effective leadership depends on whom you follow. Come on. Effective leadership depends on whom 
you follow. Now we talked about the following environment, right? That's that's the environment that you create. But my question to you is what kind of environment are you involved in? What kind of environment are you putting yourself in? Because let me tell you something, just because you slap the name Christian on it doesn't make it Christian. <laughs> okay? Just because you slap the name of a certain denomination or a certain author or a website doesn't necessarily mean it has good intentions. You have to know that because I've, I've seen people fall in, into the trap of followership where they want to be effective. So they're going to 10 churches and they're listening to all these different people and they're surfing YouTube, trying to find answers and they're Googling about God and they don't know what they're doing because they want to be in an environment that just accepts them. And I get that. But effective leadership, if you want to be effective in your leadership role, it depends on whom you are following. Now, I'm not going to get into what the categories of that look like, but if it was up to me, I will want to see a few things. And we talked about it before, right? One thing we don't is follow someone that's prideful. Right. We talked about pride. We talked about fear. Right. We talked about those things in the beginning. Go back to your notes and look at those things. But I'm looking at the heart of the person. That's the first thing I'm looking at. I'm looking at the integrity of that person. I'm looking at the character of that individual. I'm looking at the humility of that person. Right. I'm, I'm looking at their family. How well they love their wives. Do their kids respect them and love them, right? These are things. Go to Titus and go to Timothy and look at the biblical eldership and the qualifications that are there and then say, okay, does that person exemplify that? Because that's who I want to follow. I don't care if you have 10 mega churches. It doesn't matter. I want to follow someone that leads and loves like Jesus and their family first and foremost, right? That's why Jesus said, what are the two greatest commandments? Love your father with all your heart and love your neighbor. Can't go wrong with that. Here's the second thing. Sustainable servant leadership behaviors. Okay. Sustainable servant leadership behaviors will only emerge as an expression of a committed and convicted heart. Let me say that again. <clears throat> Sustainable servant leadership behaviors will only emerge as an expression of a committed and convicted heart, which means this. If you want to lead at a higher capacity and level, what comes from your heart must always flow from a commitment and a conviction. You have to be committed to people. People are the plan. You have to be committed to your yes when you say yes and not back out, right? You have to let your convictions and those things that you hold to be near and dear to your heart, right? <clears throat> That's what it means to be a servant leader, right? And it's going to flow from your behaviors and how you treat people. Are you committed to people? Too many people, they want the platform and not people. 
I'm sick and tired of those kind of people. I just, I'm just straight. I'm just tired. I'm tired of pastors and leaders that want the platform, but don't have five minutes for people. It's just, it doesn't work like that. And leadership doesn't work like that because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Okay. So here's the last one. As with all comprehensive theories of leadership, okay, because that's what we're talking about, as of all comprehensive uh, theories of leadership in leading like Jesus, here's the thing. The doing is the hard part. The doing is the hard part. <coughs> but we could talk all about this. You guys could get all the notes. You could digest every single aspect of what we're doing, but you have to put it into practice. The doing is always the hard part. Okay, so now that you have those, I want to go right into developing your own compelling vision. That's right, because for your homework, you're going to see some things. You're going to be like, wow, I didn't know. Watch, I'll tell you that in a little bit. But uh, let's talk about developing your own compelling vision. I'm going to start off with 1 Corinthians 9.16. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. You guys all right? You're hanging in there? Okay. Does your hand hurt yet? You need a break? (laughs) Okay. Shake it out. Shake it out. All right. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. For if I preach the gospel, right? This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. For if I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, Gospel doesn't give you no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. This is what Paul says. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. So your vision is important in guiding and aligning the efforts for those who are following you. Okay? People are following you. But your vision is important in giving them guidance and an alignment, right? So what it does is it lays out a foundation that is built on truth and it's not false. So the reality is that few people, right, actually have a clear and compelling vision. They don't have a clear and compelling vision for themselves, right, even though God has one for each and every one of you. Did you know that? Those that are probably listening to the recording, God has a clear and compelling vision for you. Even though you may not even feel it, even though you may not even see it, even though people have maybe bad-mouthed you and said, well, you're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to thrive in this season. I'm here to say no to that. And I'm here to uh, reaffirm the vision and the calling that God wants to give, that God has already given each and every one of you, okay? So here's a bold statement, but uh, no organization will rise above the passion of its leader. I got to say, no organization will rise above the passion of its leader because what it all boils down to is servant leadership, right? It excites passion that produces results. Your leadership should excite passion in your people 
And then as a result, they're going to produce results. <coughs> so in order to be an effective leader, you must have a clear vision, okay? So a compelling vision has three parts, okay? Three parts that communicate and engages with the hearts and the minds of others. So we're gonna talk about these three parts right here. So make sure you guys get these notes here. So the first one is your life purpose. The second one is your picture of the future. And the third one is your core values. We're gonna go through each and every one of them, okay? So the first one, your life purpose, okay? <clears throat> your life purpose says, who are you? What businesses are you involved in? Your life purpose says, where are you going and why? Okay. Because a compelling vision has purpose to it. So your life purpose here. So we all share a common purpose according to scripture. Okay. So let me tell you what scripture says. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now you're saying, Pastor Reddy, where's the purpose in that? Your purpose is to glorify God, <laughs> right? Now, the, uh, the reformers, they use this term, sola deo gloria. It's a Latin term. And it means glory of God alone. And this is what that really means. God glorifies him. You guys got to get this because I literally just finished, I finished reading an entire book on just the glory of God. And when, when I read this statement, I literally really thought about, man, am I just glorifying myself or am I really glorifying God? God glorifies himself. Scripture says God glorifies himself, but he glorifies himself in part through glorifying us and allowing us to glorify him through our godly response to his grace. Now, I know that that was a heavy statement right there. Uh, everything that the, the, the reformers teach is always heavy, but <clears throat> it's basically saying this. You want purpose? Glorify God. Your purpose solely is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. That's your life purpose. Now, if you can realign everything there and say, God, am I glorifying you in this area of my life? God, am I glorifying you in this decision that I have to make? God, am I glorifying you in my relationships? If you put everything on the scale of God's glory, Guess what's going to happen? You're going to have to weigh it against his glory. And then it's going to either come to tell you, well, this is not of God, or I'm failing in this area because it does not go back to God's glory. Everything that we do has to glorify God. And I know we don't really talk about the glory of God. And when we do, we use it in a, in a kind of supernatural, uh, charismatic way. But glorifying God is so much more than that. It's so much more than miracles. Glorifying God is your life's purpose. <laughs> Put that in a tweet. 
Put that in a statement. Glorifying God is your life's purpose. And when you glorify God, you begin to find out I'm satisfied with everything else. There is nothing that's going to hinder my life. There is nothing in this world that anyone can tell me because I know who I am. And I glorify God. And, and you know what? Whatever I eat, whatever I drink, whatever I do, I do it all for the glory of God. But it's not just that. Because God loves us, and we also have a specific purpose that is personalized according to who we are. <coughs> so we, we glorify God, but then we have distinctions, and then we have specific purposes, right? So here's the thing. I want, you, I want to differentiate two things. A purpose is different from a goal, okay? A purpose is different from a goal. How? <clears throat> um, it does not have a beginning or an end. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. Your purpose is the meaning of the journey of your life. It's not the destination. Oh man, I know that says somebody free here today. <laughs> your purpose is the meaning of the journey of your life. It's not the destination. So why do we automatically assign purpose to a specific goal? We do that because we want to feel that we accomplished something, but that's not what it's about. It's not a final destination point. So stop making it about a destination. Stop making it about, oh, if I achieved this, then I reached it. If I achieved it, then I, then I got it. I, I, I did it. I thrived. I made it. No, that's not what purpose is. Your purpose is your calling. Your purpose needs to inspire people. It's the very reason that we were created. And it is the place where passion and giftedness meet. It's the place where passion and giftedness meet. So your purpose, it must include serving the best interest of others, right? Serving the people that you lead, the people that you love. If it doesn't, Here's the thing what happens. Okay, now listen, this is why a lot of leaders fail. I'm giving you the secret sauce. This is why a lot of people fail. So if the purpose doesn't meet the interests of others that you lead, what ends up happening is that your leadership becomes a situation for manipulation and exploitation. Because if you're not giving people purpose, you're manipulating them. If you are not giving people, man, I don't even know if I can even continue after that one. Seriously, be serious with you because I'm like, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for doing that. Oh, man, that was a hard one. Um, but it's so true. If you're not giving people purpose, you're really manipulating them. You're manipulating them to do what you want them to do. And you're exploiting them. You're exploiting the weaknesses. You're exploiting their weaknesses. And I tell you one thing, we do not do that here at V1. We don't manipulate. We don't exploit. We glorify the God that is inside of you. And where you say you have a gift, you have a vision, let us help you develop that and grow in that. So for your homework this week, what you're actually going to end up doing 
is developing your own purpose and mission statement. <clears throat> it's going to be fun. <laughs> so that's what you're going to do. Okay, so that's the first one. That's your life purpose. The second one is your picture of the future. So you have your life purpose, number one. And then the second is your picture of the future. So this is what will your future look like if you are accomplishing your purpose, okay? And what will be accomplished if you actually succeed? So let's talk a little bit about that. So what this is concerned with here, your, your picture of the future, uh, this is concerned with where you are personally heading in life, okay? and how you would like to also be remembered. How would you like to be remembered? So, so think of it as this, uh, what's going to be said at my funeral? What's going to be said at your funeral? And actually for your homework, you're going to be writing your own arbitrary. <laughs> this is a fun homework this week. This is fun. You guys get to write your own purpose statements and you get to write your own arbitrary, and we're going to share it next time. <laughs> it's all, it's going to be fun. So <clears throat> how do you want to be remembered, right? When we look at scripture, Genesis 8, 1, we see there when Noah, right, when the flood happened and Noah was in the boat, Genesis 8, 1 says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. God didn't forget about Noah. He remembered him <clears throat> no less than uh, 73 times uh, in scripture in the Old Testament is that word remembered actually used. And the word there is, is Zakar, Z-A-K-A-R. So 73 times we see this word in the Old Testament used, Zakar in the Hebrew, right? Uh, where God is actually the subject. Um, and this is the very first time in the occurrence in scripture that actually God remembered someone. This is the very first time, right? We also see um, of other times uh, with uh, Abraham um, in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We see Rachel uh, when is um, opening up her wound, right? But this specific word, Zakar, is actually used here. So your view of the future must inspire passion when it's communicated, right? Because others will be willing to commit to it for the long haul. And they're going to remember. And they're going to remember. And they're going to remember, right? People want you to be committed because when you're committed, they remember that commitment. Well, you know what, Pastor Eddie? He, he's committed. He's here on a, on a Friday night. He could be doing anything else. You guys could be doing anything else, but you're committed. Be one college students that are here, right? That's the ultimate, I think that's the ultimate commitment. You got to deal with us for a whole entire year. You got to get rebuked and loved and corrected and growing and the growing pains. That is commitment. Anyone that's in school or, or, or anyone that's in a job setting, there's commitment levels there. But are you communicating the passion that goes along with that commitment? And do people remember you by that? So in every picture of the future, 
we must distinguish between two things, <clears throat> goals and visions. Just like we talked about a purpose, now we got to distinguish between goals and vision. So a goal is this. A goal is a specific event, right? When once it's achieved, it becomes part of your history and it produces a new goal, right? So we do, we have goals, right? And goals are normally considered, uh, they're considered part of the vision, part of the compelling vision, but what they do is help you to determine what you want to accomplish in the process, okay? So that's, that's really what a goal does. And then there's goal setting, right? We, so we set goals on, on a daily basis, right? But you need to know two things here. First, when we're talking about goals, uh, don't establish too many goals. Don't establish too many goals. I actually have a journal. I was going to, I forgot to bring it. <clears throat> but um, I usually every year do like a, a one-year planner. There's all these planners and all these different things. This year I switched it. I actually found a goal setting planner that focuses on goals, right? If you guys want that, just email me and I can send you the link to the one that I specifically got. Um, but how they do it is they break it down into segments where it says, okay, what is your three main goals that you want to accomplish for the week? And I would actually write those down and then they go by the month. Okay. What are the five main goals? And then they break it down to smaller goals. So there's a rule, there's an 80-20 rule. 80% of what you want to happen in your life comes from 20% of what you what your focus, your attention on. That's the 80-20 rule. 80% that you want to, to get out of life, to, to experience, actually comes from 20% of the work. Okay? So don't establish too many goals. Because then what ends up happening, you get boggled down and then you feel like you're not accomplishing enough. Set small incremental goals. Secondly, you need to make your goals observable and measurable. Make your goals observable and measurable. Okay. Here's a, here's, here's you guys got to write this down. This is, this is going to probably free some of you right now if you can't if you can't measure it you can't manage it if you can't measure it you can't manage it some of you you are measuring goals that are beyond your scope you're measuring goals that is not the right season for you that god has right maybe you're looking 10 years down the line when the reality is that you even haven't even started the process of building the foundation, right? When uh, Nehemiah, when Nehemiah looked and he saw the city in rubble, he didn't automatically think, oh, well, you know what? I just gotta just do X, Y, and Z. No, he looked at it and said, okay, this is gonna be a process. I need workers. I need to take time. I need to do this and that. He did complete the wall in a record time, honestly, but it was still a process. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. A vision, now here's a vision, now, we, now we, did, we, we talked about goals, a vision is an ongoing, evolving, and it is a hope-filled look into the future that what it should do is excite people, even though they might never see it 
completely fulfilled. Now, wait a minute. <coughs> Goals eventually are accomplished, so you see that. But then you have vision that's the complete opposite. Some, sometimes we don't get to see the vision completed, right? Moses didn't see the vision completed at the end. He died before entering into the promised land. But once your vision is set, right, then can you now clearly establish those goals that answers the question, what do you want people to focus on right now? So what a compelling vision does now, it, what, <laughs> this is what it does. A compelling vision gives your goals real significance. It's not the other way around. And that's why sometimes in leadership, we misinterpret those things. When a vision shouldn't be a vision at all, it should be a goal. And a goal, you, 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 you put it in a box sort of way when God is saying, no, you're putting my vision for you, my calling, what I have for you in a box. You need to let that baby out because it's really a vision, it's not a goal. You understand the difference? Because a vision, gives your goals real significance it puts the sauce on it okay but it takes over communicating the vision it takes over communicating the values and the goals over and over again until your people could get it right until the people in your team understand it okay that's your that's your picture of the future Okay, and now your core values, number three. <coughs> your core values. So your values are the beliefs that you find most important to you, okay? Uh, it is those intangible beliefs that you feel so strongly about, right? That you'll, you'll die for, you, you'll stand for. And what your core value does is that it drives your behavior. So your core value drives your behavior. So um, in developing your own personal core values as a leader, you gotta remember these three things. Okay, you guys ready for these three things? Okay, the first one is this, just like goals, don't have too many values. Don't have too many values. <clears throat> I would say three to five values uh, are the most that you can handle. If you if you expect uh, your values to guide your behavior. So what I mean by values, values could be something like freedom, right? Your values could be something like, uh, I'm going to be generous, generosity. Your values could say, well, you know, I'm a person that loves to um, unify other people. It could be unity, whatever it is, but you need to have values, but don't have too many uh, values because the same thing is going to happen with the goals, just how, how the values, have, uh, with the values. So the first one is don't have too many values. Secondly, you need to prioritize your values. You need to prioritize your values, right? Um, because in life, life is about value conflicts. There's conflicts that are gonna happen with your values, right? Sometimes 
you have to choose between your values, right? So as a result, they need to really be in ranked order. Are you saying why, why Pastor Eddie, should you rank your values? Simple reason. Because values exist in dynamic tension with one another. So you're going to see sometimes in life where you want the freedom, but then in order to get that freedom, you need to be unified to something. And there's going to be conflict that's going to happen. So you need to really know, okay, what do I value the most? Maybe it's family. Okay, so that's number one on your list, right? Uh, maybe it's, it's, it's something else. Maybe it's financial. I don't know. Then you put these things in ranked order. That's going to help you drive your vision. Okay. And the third one is this, your values have to have behavioral indicators. Your values have to have behavioral indicators. So let me explain. This is, uh, how will you know when you are living according to a value, right? It's, it's, you're, you're basically, uh, it's being indicated by the way that you treat people. It's your behavior, right? So <clears throat> first you have to define that value as specifically as you can, whatever that value is, right? Because <clears throat> people don't all have the same thing, the same value. People don't all value the same thing. So they're going to behave differently. Like the way I behave towards freedom, maybe Rebecca uh, responds to freedom in a different way. Maybe Carlos or maybe someone, they respond to, uh, you know, another value a certain way, but yet maybe uh, Veronica looks at it a certain way, right? So people don't all value the same thing, especially when you commit your life to God, especially when you commit your life to God, because now your whole value system has changed, right? So you get a different perspective on what you value. You get a different perspective on what you value. So in ending and in closing, the memory verse, Romans 12, 2. Let's go back to it. And then we're going to close. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the leadership role, we talked about the visionary leader as leadership. We talked about the implementation role as servants. <clears throat> the leadership role you take, it calls, it calls you to serve others. It calls you to hold people accountable. It calls you to lead them to the next destination with purpose, with vision, and with values. But what does it take? It takes a renewal of the mind. You got to start thinking like a visionary leader, everybody. You got to start thinking as one that's going to implement the values that God has given each and every one of you. So. It really is your life's purpose. It really is your picture of the future. It really is you holding to these core values, what you stand for. 
because if you can't stand for if you cannot stand for something you're going to fall for everything you have to stand strong and this is what it takes to develop a compelling vision so that people want to follow you so that people want to say i want to be like gloria that was the perfect example today. She was my, that's my best illustration that I can ever have. And that phone call literally happened just an hour before this. And I was like, wow, just exemplify. And each and every one of you, you have the ability to go higher in that level, right? Because effective leadership depends on who you follow, right? Sustainable servant leadership behaviors, Right, are going to emerge because of your commitment and your convictions of your heart. And it's your willingness to do the hard things. Are you willing to do all that? Now, maybe some of you are discouraged at this point. You're like, wow, this is a lot to take in. But this is not meant to be a fast cooked meal. This is meant to digest slowly. This is meant to work on those areas of your life that you need to work on. But I believe that each and every one of you have been called, are visionaries, are leaders, and have this role of leadership and visionary and implementation where you're going to focus on people, where you are going to produce results, and you're going to set people on a course and a destination. Let's pray. <coughs> God, thank you so much. Lord, I just want to just pray for each and every one that is here, that has stayed here to just listen to this, to this lecture, God, to, so that we can understand the depths of your love with all our mind. God, we haven't even fully grasped the totality and the sovereignty of who you are because of our finiteness, in, even in our mind. But God, just how that term, sola, Deo Gloria, God, there's a glory of God alone that is in everything that we eat, everything that we drink, God, everything that we do, everything that we impart, everything that we implement, everything that we vision, visualize comes from the glory of God. And that is the best place that we can be in. So God, forgive us if we have not glorified you enough. We have not glorified you in those areas, God, and we have manipulated people and we have exploited them in such a way that have caused them to, to turn from who you are. Where we have not been a proper representation of godly leadership, we're going to turn the key, oh God, because we want to be different here tonight. The 30 of us that are here tonight, God, we are willing to learn and to grow. Doesn't matter how old we are, doesn't matter how young we are, it starts with, a, with the heart, God, but it ends up in the mind that says, I'm going to change my perspective on how I think and visualize myself for the next season. God, I pray right now, there's some even right now that are thinking that I haven't changed my mind. My mind's not made up yet. My mind is not made up because I've been called a failure. I've been called I'm not going to make it. I don't look the part as a leader. Well, God, I pray that right now you speak into those minds and you reaffirm them that they put on the mind of Christ. 
the mind of Christ, oh God, that glorifies us through you, the mind of Christ that says you think upon those things that are of eternal perspective, of eternal worth, the mind of Christ that says I'm not going to think of myself as lowly anymore. I'm not going to think of myself as, as someone that's not going to be able to thrive and make it. But once I put on the mind of Christ, I can do all things through Christ. Once I put on the mind of Christ, I know, oh God, that you hold tomorrow. When I could put on the mind of Christ, I understand, oh God, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So we put on the mind of Christ for this entire month and for our entire lifetime, God. But even right now, we put on the mind of Christ so that we can be better visionaries, so that we can implement the things that need to be served at, so we can be leaders, oh God, to lead like Jesus. So I thank you for these that I have with me right now, God, that have said I'm willing and I'm committed to go the distance. And I thank you for their hearts, but I thank you for their minds, that their minds are set on you. And they are willing and able and ready, oh God, right now. And I pray that you release them. In Jesus' name, amen.